Word, the Bible, for He speaks to us in His Word. And this morning we're beginning a, a short series uh, through John's Gospel, the first few chapters. We'll be hearing this morning, first of all, about the promised prophet in Isaiah, and then some people persuaded in John chapter 1, as we look to come and see Jesus. The blue Bibles are there in front of you. Please open up to page 724 and Miriam will lead us. The first Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 5, and can be found on page 724 in the Church Bibles. The Bible reading is Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 1. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The second reading can be found in the book of John, chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. And can be found on page 1064 in the Church Bibles. The second reading is from John, chapter 1, starting in verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree 
before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Then he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Come and see. That's what every tourism board in the world wants you to do. And so they come up with all sorts of slogans and images to entice, to entice the tourists to come and spend their tourist dollars to come and to see. I had a quick Google. Incredible India. Come and see. Singapore, where the ordinary is made extraordinary. There are those that, in uh, retrospect, seem not quite so good a few years later. So Syria, a few years ago, before the war, always beautiful. Seems ironic now, doesn't it? And the Ukraine, enticing you to come, it's all about you. I think we would now say it's all about pew instead, wouldn't we? No one, it seems, wants to come and see any longer. This morning I want to share with you something. God wants us to see something, someone who is so much better to come and see. This passage from John's Gospel that we've just read, we're going to look at it over the next two weeks, once and then again. To come and see Jesus, and next week to see that Jesus sees us. Firstly, Jesus really is the Messiah who takes away sin. Over Christmas, we saw Jesus' family tree and his birth, that he is the son of David, the Messiah. Matthew wanted us to know that. He was to be named Jesus, who would save his people from their sins. John... In his gospel, he wants us to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, God's King, the Son of God, who takes away sin. And he brings to us in this passage this morning two different types of evidence. Firstly, an expert witness. He's already mentioned John the Baptist. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. John the Baptist to call people to repentance, to be baptised. And he had many disciples. But he himself said, I am not the Messiah. Who are you then? They asked. He said, I am the one, the voice calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make the path straight. And he does it by his testimony. Back in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In case his disciples didn't get it, the next day, verse 35, 
John was there again with two of his disciples, and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. We live in a world of a postmodern perspective where everyone has a perspective that's equally valid. We live in the world of social media where everyone has an opinion. In fact, everyone is expected to have an opinion on everything. But John wants us to see that Jesus really is the Messiah who takes away sin. So he calls an expert witness who knows what he's talking about. He is the promised one calling in the wilderness, the one that God promised. He's the promised prophet. Do you see, God has a perspective. God has an opinion, and that is the one that matters. No wonder that John's disciples got up, left John, and followed Jesus. But if we're honest, there's something more persuasive than expert testimony, I think. It's when people are persuaded. And that's the second evidence that John brings. The two disciples, they follow Jesus. Do you notice one of them says, uh, Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? They are interested in him. They want to be with him, to follow him, to learn from him. They want to come and see Jesus. And one day with Jesus is enough. They're persuaded. We have found the Messiah, they say, verse 41. But those two people were influenced and primed by John the Baptist. The next person was not, as far as we can tell. Jesus found Philip. Follow me, he says. Come and see what I'm like. Come and see if I really am God's king. He followed, and very quickly, he has found the one Moses wrote about. Most convincing, I think, the person who's most convincing when he's persuaded, Philip then goes and finds someone called Nathaniel. He tells him, we've found the one Moses wrote about. He's the one we're looking for. And Nathaniel, how does he react? He's resistant, he's sceptical, he writes Jesus off. Verse 46, Nazareth, he says, can anything good come from there? It's not that Nazareth is an immoral place, it's not that it's infamous, it's just insignificant. The Messiah, he'd have to be from Jerusalem, he's not going to be from a nowhere place like Nazareth. But you see what happens to Nathaniel? He's resistant and sceptical, but he comes to see Jesus and he is persuaded. Verse 49, you are the Son of God. John wants us to be persuaded. He wants us to believe. He wants us to come and see Jesus and to be convinced to be persuaded. He's got the expert testimony of John the Baptist, God's voice, and he's got the persuasive testimony of people who are themselves persuaded. You might, this morning, not yet be a disciple of Jesus. You're attracted to Jesus, I take it, because you're here this morning. But you have doubts about him. 
You're sceptical about him. You might be a disciple of Jesus, but you sometimes have doubts. What if he is just a teacher? What if he was just a healer and his disciples got carried away afterwards? What if he is not really the Messiah, God's King? John says, these are written that you may believe. Hear the expert testimony. See the people persuaded. Come and see, he says. Come and see by reading his gospel. When you're convinced that Jesus really is the Messiah who takes away sin, what difference would that make? What would it mean? What would it look like to be his disciple? Secondly, finally, so Jesus' disciples invite others to come and see. John the Baptist had a big following. Thousands of people came out to the wilderness to listen to him. But he is very clear on his purpose. I'm here to prepare the way for the Lord. So even though he knows he's going to lose disciples, that they will stop following him and follow Jesus, he knows what his role is. His role is simply to say, come and see. And so he says to his disciples, look, the Lamb of God, go and see him. Stop following me. There was a famous pop song, you might know it from a few years ago now. What about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough, now I want my share. That was not John's song, was it? He wanted everyone to come to Jesus. And he is a model, isn't he, for every Christian leader. Christian leaders are always tempted to point to themselves, to win followers for themselves, but a true Christian leader will always point away from themselves like John the Baptist. But it is not just the prophet who does that in this passage. It is not just the trained Christian leader who says to people, come and see. Andrew is one of the two disciples of John. He spends one afternoon with Jesus. And what is the first thing he does as soon as he's realized that Jesus is God's King, the Messiah? What is the first thing a newborn disciple does? Verse 41. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. What about Philip? Philip, invited by Jesus to come and see him, he's convinced. What's the first thing he does? He goes to Nathanael, who I suspect he knew was going to be sceptical. And said, we found God's king. We saw last year that a disciple, the word simply means a learner. The disciples learned Christ by following him. And as you read the Gospels, it is an awfully slow process. One step forward, two steps back. They keep getting it wrong repeatedly. But there is one thing they learn very quickly. Christ himself called people to follow him, to come and see. And the disciples of Jesus learn it overnight. That is the first thing they do. Isn't that extraordinary? 
When you know, when you're convinced that Jesus really is the Messiah, you invite others to come and see. Many years ago now, a young man, a high school student named Nick Hales, had some friends at his school who came to the youth group here at St Albans. His friends invited him to youth group. Come and see, they said, and find out about Jesus. Actually, I have it on good authority that what they really said was, come and see, there are some really good-looking girls in the youth group. He did come and see, and thankfully the leaders introduced him to Jesus. And it wasn't long before he started telling his family. Come and see, he said to his mum, Bobby, who many of you know here this morning. His father, Owen, overheard the conversation and remembered what he'd learnt when he was younger. And it wasn't long before Nick, Owen and Bobby were saying, come and see, to Nick's brother, Adam. It wasn't long before they were all part of our church family. Like Andrew said to his brother Simon, when you're convinced that Jesus is God's king, you say to other people, come and see. A little later in a service, we'll pray our mission prayer. We'll pray to God, empower us to make Christ known to people of all nations. It sounds hard, doesn't it? Formal and difficult. Evangelism, we think, uh, would be like being a police negotiator. Stressful, conflict, and only for the highly trained. You'd have to be a Christian for a long time. You'd have to be equipped. You'd need to be a natural leader to know all the answers and to be able to answer all the philosophical objections. But none of that is true. Andrew, in particular, was ordinary. Years later, when John is writing his gospel, when he hasn't even mentioned Simon Peter yet, he introduces Andrew as Simon Peter's brother. Andrew himself is not famous, not well known. But the first thing Andrew did when he knew almost nothing about Jesus, having met him for one afternoon, the first thing he did was find his brother and introduce him to Jesus. Philip encountered a resistant, skeptic person, Nathaniel. And he didn't need to know all the arguments. He didn't even challenge Nathaniel's argument that he was from Nazareth, this Jesus. He could have said, don't judge a man by his hometown, but he didn't. He simply said, come and see, for he knew the product was that good and that it wasn't about him. Ordinary newborn disciples invite others to come and see. You might have heard it said that evangelism is simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's true. 
Also, evangelism is an ordinary disciple inviting anyone else to come and to see Jesus. Perhaps instead of praying, empower us by your spirit to make Christ known, we should simply pray, help us, Father, to say, come and see Jesus. Isn't that something you could do? Isn't that something I could do? It is different today, of course. No one is really waiting for the Messiah like they were then amongst the Jews. And you can't literally say, come and see Jesus, he's just around the corner, can you? But John wrote, who saw Jesus, so that people might see Jesus and believe. And he writes his gospel, inviting the readers in the very first chapters, I think, to be like the characters in the story and to come and see Jesus. And the reality is that most people in Australia have never read one of the Gospels as an adult. Never. So why not say, come and see? Give them a copy of one of the Gospels. Offer to read it with them. Or invite them to come to church. Come and see God's people at church. If they're not ready for that, then perhaps you could ask a question. What is it that gives you hope? What is it that gives you meaning? What is it that gives you comfort in this world? And when they answer, you could tell them what gives you hope and meaning and comfort. If you think that's too weird, maybe you could ask, who is your hero? Who do you most look up to? And get the chance to give your answer. When you know that Jesus really is the Messiah who takes away sin, when you're persuaded, then you find ways to simply say, come and see. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity even now to come and to see Jesus. To hear the expert testimony, to see people persuaded. Father, help us ourselves to be persuaded in the face of our doubts and our scepticism. And Father, if we are persuaded, help us to be persuaded that sharing this news, that telling others about Jesus, is not as hard, as difficult as we think it might be, but is simply inviting people to come and to see Jesus. Help us by your spirit to do that, we pray. In Jesus' name.